last week, uh, we started a little, we're going to be in this for six weeks, uh, a series called This Is Us. I mean, completely tailored to who we are. And uh, with the idea of casting vision of, of who we are called to be as Christ followers, and who we're called to be as the church, and who we're called to be as individuals that are just daily trying to slug it out, trying to follow, trying to follow Jesus. And if you remember last week, uh, we talked about something that is so close to God's heart. It is so close to the, to the great alliance movement that's all around the world. It's the, it's the reason why it exists, and it's the reason why we exist, and it's because people matter. People matter to God. And one of the things we looked at in Luke 15 that is really, really close to God's heart is that lost people matter to God. We read the three parables in Luke 15 last week, and he has a special affection for those that are far from him. And, 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 and at one time, they, they were lost, and then they were found. Remember those three little stories last week? It said that all, all of heaven rejoices when that one lost person is found. If you read through the Bible and you would consider yourself a Christ follower today, uh, you're under the belief that, that, that everybody spends eternity somewhere. That's e- it's either with God in heaven or it's separation from God. And if that is, in, is indeed true, then what is on the line with every single person and what is on the line with us staying on mission and getting this whole church thing right is someone's eternal trajectory of where they're going to spend eternity. That's why this is, is so close to us that lost people matter to God and we want to do whatever we can to reach them for Christ. And we asked you the question last week, and it's a big question. We ask you to think of someone that you know is really struggling with their faith or they're, they're not following Jesus as their Lord and Savior and their church life is, is non-existent. That person, just one. And are you joining your Father in heaven on the search? Are you lifting that person up in prayer? I think there's nothing that will keep you in tune with God more, that will keep you closer to the heart of God than when you daily live with a sense of urgency for that person to come to faith in Jesus. God, would you prepare the soil so that when I share with them, when I serve them, maybe it's not me, maybe it's the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh person that shares with them. God, I want light bulbs to go off. And I want people to experience what it means to to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. For that reason, we wrote this uh, Why We Exist purpose statement, and we shared it with you last week, and I want to share it with you today before we dive in. It's the reason of why we exist as Centerville Community Church. Because we believe Jesus is the Savior of the world. And the local church is God's plan to point people to Him. Because of this, Centerville Community Church exists so that everyone will experience new life in Christ. That's what we're about. It's what we long to do to help people experience new life in Christ. And then not stay there, but go out and make more disciples and more disciples. And God works in in, in math world. God doesn't use just addition. Uh, One of his, 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 His best traits is He multiplies. And he's calling us to multiply. So today, we're going to spend a few uh, moments and over the next five weeks, of what are five ways for us as, as, as CCC churchgoers to engage with this body? What are five ways that we can engage with this church and, 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 and be a part of this church? And what has God truly called us to do? And today, we're going to focus on just one. But one of the things I think he's called us to do is not be, not be a busy church, everybody's busy. I think he's called us to be an effective church. And what that means is we're not going to come alongside and burden people and burden families, but we're going to bless them 
And we're going to come alongside and help build families and build marriages and build those kinds of things with people relationally. It's what he's calling us to do. So what are the five things when we think about if, if somebody was to come and say, hey, how can I engage with this body of believers? We would say these are vital. These are vital. The first one is this, is for, to attend weekend worship services. It is game day. I consider Sunday morning. It's the time when the most people come. It's the time when the body of believers comes together to truly worship him. And Hebrews talks about, hey, don't ever forsake that. Don't ever forsake gathering with the body so that you can worship him in spirit and in truth. There's something special that happens in that moment when God's word is cracked open, when the body of Christ gathers, when they pray, and when they worship, something happens. So I encourage you, man, weekend attendance, weekend worship is so important. Don't ever forsake that. The second one that we put down was defined, and I'll explain this, your God job. What's the thing that God's called you to? What's the thing he's equipped you to do? We believe everybody in this church has a job to do, a role to do, that you're a part of this body because you help complete us, you make us better. So a God job is somebody using their gifts, using their talents so that the kingdom of God will expand. A faith without uh, works, it says, is dead. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do, James 2, verse 18. And I think a couple things happen when you start serving. One, one thing that's huge that's going to happen is you're going to make us better. You're going to fill a spot. You're going to step into a spot that God is going to help you and equip you to do. And secondly, you're going to be better. Because when you step out on faith and do what God calls you to do, uh, there's risk involved. And he, he, he just grows you when you do it. Uh, the most I've ever grown in my walk with Christ is when I've had to learn to preach and just keep getting better and better and better at it because it, it demands that you do, right? What's your God job? What's God called you to do? So many in this room, you figured it out and you're serving faithfully at CCC and you have been for years and we thank you for that. The third one was to join a community group or a discipleship group, an ongoing one. I don't care if it's once a month, twice a month, to get together with a, with a group, a body of believers, and study God's, study God's word. We're going to spend more time on that next week. The fourth one we wrote down was to, to partner with us as we love and serve this local community. We have a ton of vital partnerships in this community. We can't do it all, but we can come and be wind beneath other ministries in this community's wings and serve them and help them and give to them not only just money, but our time and our talents, right? So we, we call our, our congregation to do that. And then our last one was to engage in our, in our global ministry around, around the world, which is just absolutely central to who we are as an alliance movement. And we believe those five areas are crucial, and there's tentacles to some of them that keep going out, but those five themed areas, those, those five air pots, if you will, are huge. Here's what I think they help us do. They help us stay synced up with one another as we go and serve God and we serve this community. And they also help us as a body to stay synced up to Him. Why? Because we begin to serve Him on mission together in unity. God's called us to do that. So what we're going to do for the rest of our time today is, is share, share with you just, just one of the five areas that we talked about. But I want to ask you the question today of how do you stay synced up with God? How do you, how do you stay in, in communion with Him, if you will? How do you, how do you, what does it even look like to do that? To, to, to journey through life, to daily walk with Him, to make a decision every day to follow Him, to have a relationship with Him that's passionate, that, that's full of confidence, that's full of boldness, right? 
Uh, the, the, what Dan said earlier, that because of what Jesus did, there's a newfound passion. We can't help but tell people about it. That kind of relationship where there's this deep sense of God is good and God is who he said he is. So what I want to do is we're going to jump in and share a little bit of these points today. But I want to share one of the great values that we've created because of this. We believe that it's so important for us to, to, to stay grounded, to stay rooted in this thing. And I don't know if it'll be up on the screen or not. But one of our values is we're going to be rooted and grounded in prayer in God's Word. That we desire to live lives of worship and desire every day to point our worship towards God. To live a life of worship. That's what we're going to talk about today. But God's Word is going to be foundational in every single thing that we do. It'll be the thing that we lay upon. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. When we open God's Word, whether it's in Sunday morning service or in a group or in your individual quiet time, God reveals Himself to, to us. And another thing happens when you open God's Word is it's almost as if there's this huge mirror in front of us. We've shared this analogy before. And it, it begins to show you who you are, right? And where you are in your walk with Him. So God's Word is foundational. Reading God's Word, being obedient to His Word, it will be the foundation. It will lead us. It will lead this body. The second one is, is prayer that we put in this, 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 this value that we want to stay synced up with God in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray on Sundays. and give, No, pray, pray continually all week long. It's not just a Sunday morning thing we do. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We've talked about this before. But our God in heaven's not looking for you to have all these polished prayers. <laughs> He's not looking for you to have all these grand theological words that you lift up to him and, and, and to sound, you know, like, man, you're so smart, right? But the thing that he's wanting from you and I, more than any of the show, he wants to hear from just you. He wants to hear from your heart. He wants to hear from what's truly going on inside of you. He's a big God, and he can take the good, the bad, and the ugly to pray continually. And when you think about it, what an incredible gift. First of all, that we would be invited into a relationship because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. That he would give us his word to help be a foundation as we navigate this life that can be so tough at times. And that he's willing to communicate, speak to us, and, and allow us to speak to him through this incredible gift of prayer. What an awesome, awesome God. And every Sunday, we do all the three things we just talked about. We have time in prayer. God's Word is open so we can learn and grow. And we worship Him through this incredible gift of music. Now today, as we talk about worship, I want you to know that we're acknowledging worship is way more than what we do in this little 10 or 15 minute segment that takes place uh, during a Sunday morning church service or any other time a piano, a guitar, or an organ comes out. It is so much more than that. But we want to be a church that lives lives of worship. It's why in our value we said we desire to live lives of worship and desire every day to point our worship towards God. How are you doing with that? 
Would you say at this season in your life, you are living every day, you're living the life of, of worship to your God? I love how the message shares it in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, and it talks about uh, how we as Christ followers are to place our lives before a holy God, and we'll pop it up on the screen. He says, so here's what I want you to do. Uh, God helping you, acknowledging you can't do this on your own. You need God to help you. He says, take your everyday, your ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your, your going to work, your walking around life, your going to the grocery store, your going to the gas station, wherever you go. He says, take it all and place it before God as an offering. In light of the mercy of God, view this as, as, as a spiritual act of worship to place it all before God, right? Embracing, it says, what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. So don't blame, uh, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture. That hit me this week. Anybody just find themselves getting so accustomed to our culture that uh, there's probably not a lot at times that look any different in my life, sadly, than what this culture has that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. I love that. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. And unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and He develops well-formed maturity in you. This is what happens when we live lives of worship. Well-informed maturity will take place spiritually in our lives. As I mentioned earlier, there's something powerful when we gather together and worship corporately. When we stand shoulder to shoulder with people we may not even know that well, and, and we begin to engage with them in worship, right? When we begin to, 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 to be in awe of who God is and praise Him for who He is and what He did for us on the cross and that He's good and that He's faithful and that He's loving and all of these things, there's something special that takes place when we do that when we humble ourselves before, before God, it reaches inside of us like few, things, like few things do. And God's called us to do it. He's called us to worship Him. It's one of the primary ways that we sync up with Him, that we stay in communion with Him, that we stay in fellowship with Him and remember how great and how faithful He is. Now, some of you may say in here, music not a big deal. I don't even like music, right? Well, music is wired. The creator God, the creator of music has wired music into all of us. How many of you have ever watched a movie without music in it? Anybody? It's, it's awful. Like, I mean, without the soundtrack going on behind the scenes to, to stir the emotions, to, to create the moment, the, maybe the climax of the story, uh, music does all of the above, and God has wired us, wired us to, to have music in our lives. So what I want to do for the rest of our time is I came across a book about a year ago, and it's too good not to share with you. Uh, and it was uh, written by Chris Tomlin, which you've heard him, and Darren Whitehead, which is a pastor. And uh, you can pop the picture. It's called Holy Roar. And in this book, they, they begin to un unpack what are seven, seven Hebrew words uh, that, that, that speak about the word praise that we see in the Bible. And when I read this, it changed the way that I think about worship. It changed the way that I thought about me connecting with our Father in heaven. And I'll be the first one, to be honest, of, of the areas that I'm not really good at. I don't know a, hot, a lot of Hebrew. I know just enough to be dangerous and study enough to be dangerous. So these aren't out of my knowledge. These are out of this book that are so incredible. And I want to unpack them 
Because I believe if we were to learn what it means to worship in this way, I think Sunday mornings would change here at Centerville Community. Because we would have 100% of our body coming in here worshiping our God for who he is and for what he's done with no distractions going on around us. I want to share these with you. And if you want to write them down, I'd encourage you to. But what should our posture be during worship? When we gather as a body of Christ to worship, how, how on earth should we react? How on earth should we, should we respond? And the first one, if you want to write it down, is talks about the hands of praise. The yadah says to revere or worship with extended hands, to hold out hands. And this posture of worship is talked about 111 times in Scripture. It talks about adoration, being in awe of who, being in reverence of who God is. And it's found in Psalm 67, verse 3. It says, may all the people's praise, yadah, you. God, may all the people's praise, yadah, you. Some of you thought, whether you go to this service or next, that you just thought the people had a question for Dan, or maybe for Anson, as they're worshiping God, and their hands are in the air, right? You're thinking, man, they are so weird. Put your hands down. But it's a very natural thing. The raising of our hands is incredibly natural. How many of you watched college football yesterday? Isn't it awesome? Like, college football's on until February and NFL. It's just great. Um, so some of you watched that. Yesterday was our first, that's my sixth season with the University of Dayton football team. Um, as their chaplain, and we started uh, another chapel yesterday with the sixth season, but they had something to celebrate. And if you were to watch any game on TV, hands are flying in the air. Why? Because they're full of excitement. They're full of joy for what, what is going on with their team in that moment, right? How much more? How much more does the creator of the universe, the one that, that literally spoke this world into his existence, are all-knowing, all-powerful, holy God, the one that's rescued you from your big pit of sin that we found ourselves in, and he, he put us in right standing with God, how much more does he deserve our, our Yadah worship than just our football team when they, when they score a touchdown? It's what we're called to do when we come together as the body of Christ, and we think of truly what Jesus did for us on the cross. It is Yadah worship. God, I'm amazed by you. God, I am in awe of you. The second one, I love this one, was the fools of praise, the halal. It says to boast, to rave, to shine, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish when you worship God. Psalm 149 verse 3, it says, let them praise halal, his name with dancing, and make music to him with timbrel and harp. This type of worship isn't coming to worship God with a casual attitude. This isn't, well, I'm going to somewhat be engaged, but rather we come to celebrate. We come to dance. We come to shout. At times we come to even look like a fool because we're completely off on every note that comes about, right? If you were, I had lunch with Jeff and Amy Lane. I'm sure it's the same with Brandon in the back. Uh, when they would gather for worship it, 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 around Bongalo Hospital, services were two or three hours, and it was halal worship. People dancing. People shouting, people singing, people praising God for what he has done. When I led a team to El Salvador about eight or ten years ago, it was halal worship. The church service was halal worship. God is good. I am in all of you. The third one, I, I love this, is, is the music of praise. And it was the Hebrew word zamar, to make music to celebrate in song and music, to, 
to, to play with strings and musical instruments. And Psalm 144.9 talks about this. I will sing a new song to you, O God. On a harp of ten strings, I will sing praises, zamar, to you. How many of you in here play a musical instrument? Uh, maybe it's like you only play it in the hidden room in the house because you don't want anybody to hear you. Uh, you know you are zamar worshiping our God. That every single week, volunteers, unpaid people come on Wednesday night, then they come on Thursday night, and they'll stay here for an hour or two to prepare to lead you and to zamar worship every single week. People that don't want the spotlight on them one bit, don't even care if you know their name, but they want to put a huge, huge spotlight on Jesus. That's what Zamar worship is all about. Using their gifts for the kingdom, for the kingdom of God. Now you may be thinking today, once again, you know what, I'm not a, I'm not a singer at all. So this whole music thing, the whole seven Hebrew words thing, it's all nice, but it's not who I am, it's not how I express Myself, I heard a guy uh, recently uh, share that he was a he was a jailhouse singer. Anybody ever heard of a jailhouse singer? A, a jailhouse singer, and then I was like, "What in the world could be a jailhouse singer?" And he said, "This is where uh, I'm always behind three or four bars, and I can never find the key." Uh, some of you in that place in this room, where you're like a jailhouse singer, you know you are, and you're always about three or four bars behind. You can't find the key to save your life, but I'm here to tell you, you're God in heaven. He hears your worship. He loves your worship. He loves when you praise him with your voice. Uh, I'm sure he may even transpose it by the time it gets to heaven and he makes it sound better than it is. But we serve a God that wants to hear his children worship him through, through song. The fourth one was the expectation of praise, and we'll wrap, wrap these up. It was Tudal, the extension of the hand of thanksgiving, a sacrifice of praise, thanksgiving for things not yet received. It's a choir of worshipers. It's syncing up with God like this. God, everything in my life is a mess. I don't know where to turn. I'm not even sure who to trust or what's my next step. But God, in this moment, I'm going to worship you and I'm going to say to you, God, that I trust you. I worship you for who you are and for what you're doing in my life. David, the songwriter, he wrote this in Psalm, I think, 56. And remember, we went through Psalm 41 and 55. This is a season of his life where he's running from his life. His son and his best friend have betrayed him. And he writes these words. He says, in God I have to put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Vows made to you are binding me, O God. I render praises to da to you. He was running for his life. And in the midst of it, hiding in caves, he turns to his God. He raises his hands and he says, God, but you, you are worthy of my praise. We're all going to hit those moments in life where we don't feel like raising our hands. We don't feel like worshiping God. We don't feel like he's good. To die worship is to say, God, you are, you are so good. The posture of praise is, is the next one. Barak, to kneel, to bless is an act of adoration, to praise, to salute, to thank. Psalm 103, verse 1 and 2, praise Barak, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name, praise Barak the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Here's what this one is. It's where we come to God, we lower ourselves. We humble ourselves and we realize, you know what, worship, worship's not about me. I've been in the church my entire life. I've sat through, I don't know how many worship services, whether it's in the church or some other, some other event. 
And I've watched this happen over and over and over again, and I want to guard against it as the body of Christ. As we come into worship with a consumer mentality, straight up consumer mentality, hey, how was church today? Well, it was all right, you know, okay, average. Sang a few songs. I liked one. The other two I wasn't real fond of. I didn't, uh, one was a little loud. Uh, one, the chorus, I wasn't really fond of and didn't really hit me today. And what can happen with this mindset, and it happens to the best of us, and I discover it happens to me, is I walk into worship with a consumer mindset that my experience, my style, uh, my feeling during this moment, my preference, my wants, all of that uh, arise way above God. And I come in with a consumer mindset. How in the world can we worship our God for who he is and for what he's done when we come in with a consumer mindset. I saw this on a social media post. You can pop it up on the screen. Francis Chan, question was asked, hey, I didn't really like worship today. And Francis Chan said, that's okay, because we weren't worshiping you, you know? And it's like, that probably needs to be said every single week, because there's such reality to that, that we are, we are we're bought into, where we don't look much different than the culture, a consumer mindset, and we do it with church. And we say, man, I wish it was this. I wish it was that, instead of saying, God, you deserve, man, when, we're, when we are uh, undistracted because we're praising God for who he is, I don't think we really care about the rest of that stuff. The last two, and I'll do them quick and just share them, is uh, Tehillah, it's a hymn, a song of praise, a new song, a spontaneous song, and then lastly, the shout of praise, the Shabbat, to address in a loud tone, some of you are good at this, to shout to commend glory and triumph. One generation will praise Shabbat, Psalm 144, 145.4, your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. I'm going to ask Anson and Dan and Pat to come up as we prepare for communion. But you know, as Christ followers, we get to be a part of shouting from the rooftops that our God is good. Shouting to the world for what God has done, what God has done for us. And it says in Scripture, and it makes it very clear, that all creatures, everything, will praise His name. And if we truly are the primary focus of His affection as, as Christ followers, right? I think we should be shouting, shouting the loudest. I want to share this last thing with you as we prepare our hearts for communion. Came across it sometime back and absolutely gold when it comes to what it means to worship to worship God and it should be up on the screen as well it says in a loud world of dissonance in a world of tension in a world where things feel like they're all on it's all on shaky ground worship is our opportunity to retune our lives to Christ it is worship that we hear again the clear tone of God the voice of God we remember His goodness, His love, and adjust our lives to match Him. It's just like tuning an instrument or an orchestra. You need a keynote or a tone to tune to for everything to match up and allow us to play together. God does that for us. That's what worship does. It, it slows us down. It forces our hearts and lives on the ultimate keynote. Our Creator God, Father and Savior. What would it look like for every guest, man, woman, and child that walked in this place to experience a body of Christ that worshiped in that way every week? That the worship's not about me, but it's all about 
him. That they would come in here and experience something completely different. They would experience Shabbat worship, Barak worship, right? Tada style of worship in this place. And I hope as you come in, even next week, that everything you do, you will point your eyes to the one that deserves your eyes. And you'll keep your eyes fixed on him. I love first Sunday at Centerville Community because we gather as a body. Doesn't matter what we're talking about, doesn't matter what we're doing. We pause every first Sunday to point everything back to the cross, to worship him, to remember him for what he has done for us on the cross, that we have this incredible gift called eternal life, a relationship with the Son of God because of the cross.